Say What? Say What Radio Show. With no agenda, it's always a surprise. But if we're not having fun, we're doing something wrong. And welcome to Say What. It is February 24th, 2024. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard and Walt Silva and Jan Shaw. And hopefully you just listened to Jan Shaw's most recent update of current events. Okay, Dolly, how are you, honey? I'm good. Awesome. I could just get my cursor to cooperate. (laughs) (laughs) Okay, and uh, Walt? Oh, uh, good afternoon, everybody. I hope we are going to have fun tonight. So, welcome for welcome to the show today. And thank you for being here. I always enjoy it when you show up. Because you're always... Well, if anything goes wrong, I know that Walt's going to bail me out of my computer. But more importantly, I find that he says things that I've never heard him say, and I've been on the radio with him for probably 2,500 times, hours of <laughs> thousands of hours of being with him. And he still surprises me. So Exaggerate much? <laughs> <laughs> I'm not exaggerating, honey. If you do the math, we've been thousands of hours together. And Jan, thank you so much for the show that you just did um thank god we figured it out aren't quite as screwed as we used to be (laughs) (laughs) so when we didn't understand any of this we were really going down the tubes (laughs) well thank you and very glad to be here again i missed last week i'm afraid but i'm back again and looking forward to a great show yeah, well, let's start out with Dolly. Dolly, you've got a list there. We always like to start with Dolly's list. Do you oh want to do that? Well, yeah, yeah, but I got a, like a gazillion things. Um, is there? I'm told on. I have to get my thing open here. Oh yeah, there's one thing I do want to share. Oh, and there's another thing I want to share. Uh, yeah, I got, I got a couple things I, I would like to share. Uh, one thing's very brief. In Dolly World, the definition of a DA is deceitful asshole or agent. <laughs> Sounds about right. <laughs> yeah. Uh, and I was watching uh, Fox yesterday, I think it was, and I happened to get in on it with um, where they had these ladies talking with one man. And I forgot the name of it, but they had this different woman on. I thought it was a different woman. I kept looking at her and watching for the screen to say her name. And and I couldn't figure out, geez, who is that? It was Emily Campagno. And it looked, it didn't look like her at all. I thought it was a different woman that they got on the show. Um, the shape of her head was different. Her mouth is different. The flying movements of her hands are different. They're overemphasized like they do when they make doubles of people. 
um, and and it didn't interrupt. Like she's she used to always interrupt, but this thing, whatever it is, really just sat there very politely and didn't interrupt. And I, oh, that's not Emily. Uh 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 uh. And it really ticked me off because the other people were sitting there pretending, oh, yeah, that's Emily, yada, yada, you know, they just sit there and ignore that it's absolutely positively not. And that just pissed me off more about Fox because they purport that they tell the truth all the time. Well, that's BS in my world. They tell more of the truth than the others, but they don't tell all the truth like they say they do. So um, I believe from having that experience that we are going to be shown more and more the people who aren't really the people they're supposed to be anymore. So we're, they're going to make it so obvious that more people start to realize that. And um, after an experience I had, I do sincerely believe that we are going to start seeing more and more uh, things happening in the world that that surprise even us, like Nancy and Jan and, well, me and, and y'all who are the listeners, y'all who are come to the chat room. Keep your eyes and ears open, y'all, because I do believe we're going to be seeing outrageous things happen that even we uh, did not anticipate. Um... And let me take a look through here. Bring it on, yeah. I say. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, oh yeah, me too. Let's do it. Let's go for it. Oh yeah, this freaking and I don't know how to say his name. You say it really good. The judge and Engoran, is that how you say it? Engoran. Yeah, hmm. Engoran. Um who he ruled against Trump in New York. Uh, has previ- he has previously been accused of having an affair with the law secretary of a plaintiff's counsel whose case was before Manhattan Supreme Court Justice Martin Schoenfeld. So um, he's on record as having an affair with someone he was working with in the court system. <clears throat> Simply put, Engeron worked for the judge as a law secretary at that time and was in an entanglement, in quotation marks, with the law secretary of the plaintiff's lawyers. So he was doing naughty, naughty stuff. Um, and Schoenfeld at the request of the defendants, recused himself from the case because of Engeron's actions. That was back in 2022. So that guy, where'd it go? I want to put the picture in the chat room just for a reminder of how evil 
the dude looks. Where'd y'all go? Oh, here. Yeah, he looks like Gollum from the Lord of the Rings. <laughs> I, I can't imagine anybody having an affair with that guy. I mean, oh, no. Oh, <laughs> oh, makes you want to throw up at the thought yeah. of it. Well, it makes you even want to cringe back away from in terror because he's, to me, he feels evil. He looks evil. I, and oh, I couldn't imagine that, Jan. <laughs> I know, I know. Well, birds of a feather and all that. So maybe the person that he had the affair with was just the same of the same nature. <laughs> mm-hmm. You'd have to be, wouldn't you? I mean, I don't think you'd uh, have relations with somebody like that if you didn't oh, have an ulterior You mean the woman motive. has a, had a thing for morticians? Must she have. Keep Must your, have, yeah. Couldn't keep your the hands eyes, away. The eyes are just black. I mean, they're, they're, it's like there's hollow sockets. That's what scares me the most is the eye. And then when he loves, he loves the camera. When he sees the cameras on him, he does that. Awful smile type thing. Smirk. Yeah. He even loves the camera when he's holding it. Remember he took pictures of a nude self? No, I forgot. Oh, yes. I saw that. Oh, God. <laughs> no, that, that right there should have gotten him off of the case. Mm-hmm. I'm sorry. You know, it, it's like, well, you're just a... I mean, I can't imagine that that's within the ethics code of a judge. Yeah, strip down, take a picture of yourself nude. Show it on the, send it to the world. I mean, what in the, I mean, that that to me was like, okay, now I know we're in zombie land. Yeah. Well, he's, he's, saying, he's saying what his opinion is of the legal system. He's making fun of it. Oh, none, none of it matters. None of it is serious. So that just goes to show what he thinks of it. He laughs at, at, at all this. I'm putting a paste. I'm pasting in the where I'm getting this next one. I wanted to share with you all. It's it's recent type news that's going on. Um, <clears throat> it was from Terrible, February twenty first, twenty twenty four. And it was off of, what do they call Twitter now? Uh, X. It was off X. It says, breaking, city council calls for an investigation of Mayor Adams' plan to give illegals $10,000 debit cards. Just giving them on top of everything else? Okay, let me calm down. I'll read to you what, what I want to. The $53 million contract would give Mobility Capital Finance, who the New York mayor touts as minority-owned, in quotation marks, lots of fees for services. So these, this, 30, this place that's given that much money, they would get $125,000 one-time setup fee, $250,000 in annual management fees. I have to breathe. Okay, $1.5 million for the first $50 million handed out 
and then they would get $2.5 million for the next $100 million. There's no ID check required, no fraud control, and no restrictions. Like any of us could go with that kind of stuff. Council member Gail Brewer wants to investigate the mayor's connection to the firm. Uh-huh, uh-huh. And why the city issued a $53 million no-bid contract without seeing if it could get a better deal. Mm-hmm. According to the contract, the most a card can have is $10,000, but cards will be refilled every four weeks. So these illegal aliens are going to get from this deal alone $10,000 on free credit cards that will be refilled $10 more every four weeks. WMBs, you know, women and minority-owned businesses, have historically historically been locked out. So I know I'm disputing what people traditionally would like for us to do, Adams said. The mayor, who has a penchant for surrounding himself with friends and acquaintances, insists he has no personal relationship with the owner of the company. He said, we don't hang out in the Hamptons together or go to the baseball games together. They just have sex with Yeah. (laughs) 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 So I wanted to to be sure that I shared that with y'all. So you know this frickin' mayor guy is not squeaky clean like he wants you to believe. Well, why do you think they wanted half a billion dollars out of Trump? It'll pay for it nicely if they can get away with it. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Um, Here's another short one. Oh, here's a video address to to, uh, what I just read to y'all. If you want to go see that, I put it in the chat. I like to post where I get stuff so you know I'm not just sitting here making up a bunch of... Oh, this is the IRS one. Sorry. But this is the one I wanted to read to you now. Breaking. IRS official Alex Mena, M-E-N-A, who works in criminal investigations, (coughs) says at IRSN... IRS News has no problem going after the small people, putting people in prison, and destroying people's lives. Mena doubt, doubts the constitutionality of his employer, the IRS, using AI to access everybody's bank accounts nationwide. So IRS is checking into your bank accounts even. Now, currently, Manor recalls IRS agents stating, the first person you shoot, you're going to remember. 
But after that, you're going to shoot like a hundred people. You're not going to remember any of them. So that's what's going to happen when they, uh, now that they've started doing that, they're not going to remember it all, but they're going to do it. He says IRS agents are assholes. They are often the definition of an asshole. All of them. He's not too pleased with the IRS if you can't figure that out. <laughs> But the, uh, let me finish one more one more sentence and I'll be done with it. Okay. This this video was obtained by O'Keefe Media Citizen journalist who is a part of our American Swiper program. Okay, I'm done with that article. So my question was is wasn't it not that long ago that they were saying that there are you couldn't find uh, an IRS agent anywhere, like all the doors are closed, nobody answers the phone. So where are these guys showing up if there are no agents anywhere and everybody's like in hiding because you, you nobody's answering the phone, nobody's going to the offices. Is So where where's this guy showing up? Where is he coming from? Sorry. I don't know. <laughs> Where's I don't know. Where's the hundreds of of uh, 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 IRS agents they were gonna investigator type agents that they were supposedly gonna hire to come to our houses? Yeah, exactly. Where's those ones? I don't know. Um, I have. Uh, you know how we were talking about Bragg's. Alvin Bragg's political, he was involved in political donors, uh, which includes numerous donation mules and at least one prominent business in India. <clears throat> well, I got I got more dirt on him. He's just he's a big one in the mule part, and we were talking about that the last show. What I was on. Uh, Cosmic reality, I think. Okay, um, you, do you want do you want to stop just a second so we can just give them the audience, you know, an update, uh, not an update, but an overview of what we're talking about, because that was on the Cosmic Reality Show. Yeah. Um, Dolly read a, an article that was very very lengthy, and it started out with Willis, the Georgia attorney, and the boyfriend Wade, and when she started, well, who knows when this this started. But and I think it was the Gateway Pundit that was was looking into this. But yeah, yeah, they they looked at how much money she spent in the uh, uh, campaign and thought it was probably excessive. I don't remember the numbers, but they were excessive. Her opponent was like, you know, nothing, and she was like millions of dollars. And then they looked at other people in Georgia, and they, you know, War Warlick who won against. Um, Oh, uh, I got his picture in my head. Uh, anyway, the Republican. Uh, again, a tremendous amount of donations. So then they went to the, it's a report that shows you who paid what in donations for any given political campaign. And it turned out that there was, you know, I don't know. I don't remember the number again, but there was like thousand people out there who only the only thing showing up on the on the uh, in the list 
was their names. They didn't have any personal identity. addresses on some, yes. Yeah, and what happened was that, in, you see, the, the, the Congress put out rules regarding campaign financing, and they didn't want, you know, a millionaire to override everybody else. It's his opinion because he put more money into it. So they set up a series of, of rules and regulations that prevent people from from putting in, you, you, you've got X amount that you can give without any problem. But then if you give more than that, then you're in, you know, you're not, you're not complying to the, the rule. So what they were doing was that they were making all these small donations from these names with no addresses, no voter ID. Not, I mean, there was no identification whatsoever, just their names. So the researchers, they went out and they found, they were able to track down some of the names and some of the names did have addresses, but not many of them. But everybody that they talked to said, I didn't give any money to Act Blue. It all was going to Act Blue, which was the uh, nonprofit organization for campaign financing run by the Democrats. And uh, they, 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 did, they had never done it. And so what they're doing is they're taking people's names and every so many months they would give a whole bunch of, you know, up to the level. I don't know what it was. Not, you know. I'm thinking like 7,000, 3,000 or so. It's I think not very much. 3,000 is the limit, I think. Um, but <laughs> the, 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 the crazy part of it is, is that none of the none of this was legal so what they've done is they're doing money laundering and breaking the election laws and so virtually every democratic race that's been run in whatever amount of time in any state because these researchers well like i say i think it was the gateway pundit they started to wonder, well, is it is this something that is standard operations for Democrats or is this just a you know, one off thing? And then they found out that, oh, yeah, we found the same thing in Maryland and yeah, in Colorado. And it's like all over the blue states and other states, red states, too, where you have this all this money that's going into financing the Democrats is all being paid for by somebody other than the people that were supposedly doing it. Because when they went and knocked on the doors of the people, these people were either unemployed, retired, older people, but people that did not have access to the kind of money that they supposedly were gifting to the Democrats. So that's what she's referring to, is that Bragg was one of the people that seemed to be falling into this campaign financing uh, fraud. Sounds like a Soros deal. Oh, oh I'm sure. taking my next sure. sentence. Yeah. Oh, okay. <laughs> <laughs> okay. All right, go ahead, Dolly. And I want to explain that's why the mule is um, what Nancy just explained. They take the big lump sums that they get and they break them down into the eligible donation amount and they put these poor people's uh, names and addresses to connect it with the little funds so that they aren't uh, 
obvious, supposedly. They aren't obvious with the big sums. So anyway, I'm going to go on with this article. It isn't that long. It has been widely reported that New York City DA Alvin Bragg was funded by George Soros during his election. Soros funded Color of Change, who then funded Bragg's campaign. See, mule stuff, money laundering. Soros funds all of the Marxist DAs in the country. Let me read that again to you. Soros funds all of the Marxist DAs in the country. He knows they will cut down on prosecuting crimes. Crime will soar, and American cities will become dangerous cesspools of lawlessness. Democrats support this. They say it's racist to arrest criminals or something. (laughs) Recently, investigative engineer Chris Gleason investigated Bragg's other donors. What he found was similar to what the Gateway Pundit has reported on in several Democrat races. See, there's your Gateway Pundit. A major segment of donations came from donation harvesters. Many of these people are retired and unemployed. They are donating thousands of times to Democrats around the country. This is likely the largest political donation scandal in U.S. history, and it's about to bust open. What we found at the Gateway Pundit was that these contributors, in quotation marks, follow a very similar pattern that we have witnessed in all of the states as a part of this RICO enterprise of money laundering, identity theft, fraud, elder abuse, etc. See, they call what they're doing to the elders elder abuse because it is. The Gateway Pundit has reported on Democrat donation harvesters in Maryland, Georgia, Missouri, Washington, Michigan, and now New York. An interesting contribution to Manhattan DA Bragg's campaign originates from India when that name was also checked in against the FEC.gov database. Excuse me. The following is what we observed. Donations to Mark Kelly for Senate from an individual who works for a company called D. Like dog, M like Mary, I like uh, independent. So DMI Finance is the name of the company that they're finding now who is being uh, and has been crooked as heck. Uh, and then I have a, a, a link for that. I will copy it and then I can paste it when I get done reading this copy. The individual listed in both the New York State DB as one of Manhattan DA Bragg's donors is the co-founder of DMI Finance, a company based in India. 
He currently serves on the Board of Governors of the British School in New Delhi and on the Founders Council of the... Hold on. It's in New Delhi. Uh, New Delhi, not, not Delhi. It's New Delhi. Okay. <laughs> and on the Founders Council of the MS... Chadha, C-H-A-D-H-S-H-A, Center for Global India at Princeton University. He lives in what Walt said, I call it New Delhi, whatever Walt said, with his family. (laughs) Two of these contributions originate from India, one of the addresses in New York City. When we checked the address in New York City, we found that it was an active listing on Zillow. To some, this might be easily brushed off as nothing. However, when you look at these transactions, over time, certain patterns begin to emerge. Many of the individuals who are making contributions tend to be elderly and or when their addresses are verified against various sources, they do not appear to live at the address contained in the FEC or the various state campaign finance databases. See, that's proving more proof. This is so illegal. It really stinks. Many of the individuals listed as having contributed many times to Alvin Bragg's seem to also follow the same patterns that we have been seeing in the recent videos by the O'Keefe Media Group. They appear to be donation harvesters or smurfs. We believe this will be one of the largest scandals in U.S. election history once it is completely exposed. Already the fake mainstream news websites are shying away from it. And I'm all done with that. Well, surprise, surprise that they're shying away from it. And I mean, these are the people that are going after Trump with these trumped up charges. Hardly surprising. Yeah. Yeah. And uh, here's another one from X by Real Robin. Um, Oh. I wanted to paste that link for you. Hold on. Let me see if I still have it. Yep, I do. There's where you can find that DMI stuff, the new banking. Um, This real Rob N is saying, let me copy that so I can paste it when I get done. Come on, finger. My fingers start shaking and I can't. Get him to stop. Here we go. Election fraud starting. Here's another thing that we need to watch out for. And here it is. We know now all the different ways that our elections are rigged, taken, stolen, where the fraud is, and who is responsible for it. Katie Hobbs sent out 1.5 million additional ballots already. If Maricopa has uh, 2,575,400 voters, 
why did Maricopa mail just under 4.1 million ballots? So they sent out twice the number of ballots as there are voters. So here we go. They're all, it's rigged again. So keep your eyes out for it. I just wanted to let you all know that. And um, if we have time at the end, I can read my uh, good news thingy. Well, the Hobbs thing is uh, uh, from Arizona, and Carrie Lake was running up against her. So that was, you know, again, you kind of like shake your head and go, this is so blatantly immoral, unethical, illegal. Why would why would you continue? The friggin' person who was running for the governor, Hobbs, was the head of the election bureau, whatever that's called. She was running the elections and she was running it on a ticket. How can that even be possible? Well, it, it wasn't. I mean, um, you know, it was actually not illegal to do that. But she she refused to step down and nobody enforced it yeah i mean it's like no i'm not going to leave my 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 job here because i might lose the election what <laughs> i mean just if you why would you vote for somebody that would do that it, politically it doesn't seem to me to to make much sense if it was politically correct you would have said look at yeah i can't be running this while i'm running so i'm going to step down you know, then I might give that woman a, a, a vote. But, you know, I'm not going to leave because I've got to, you know, rig the election so I get elected. I don't yeah. think I'll give my vote. <laughs> you know what well, I'm saying? Well, actually, I hate to say this, but that's exactly what Ron DeSantis did when he ran for president. Didn't he introduce a um, an amendment that said he could run while he was still governor? There were a lot of people critical of that because he, he was off swanning around the country and not doing his governor's job. Well, yes, he was doing his governor's job. But he I mean, still changed the rules so he could do exactly well, okay, that. Right, okay. But he wasn't in charge of the election. He lost it. Oh, I know. I, know. I mean, I, I, if, I was, if I was a DeSantis and I thought I could do that, I'd do it too. Because I don't, I'm not sure that, well, first off, Dolly doesn't think DeSantis is the same guy. But I'm not so sure that DeSantis, I think it might have been part of the plan. Yeah, me too. You know, that he run. I don't think that uh, it made any, it didn't make any sense on all sorts of le- levels. And DeSantis was probably approached and said, you know, why don't you run? Why don't you get your face out there? And why don't you, you know, combat Trump? Because we want to have somebody that, anyway, long story as to why I think that. But the thing of it is, is that DeSantis is a very smart man. And he's not going to turn over the governorship of the one of the most popular states in the union to do a favor for Donald Trump. Unless he thinks he's going to be safe in the governorship. So I didn't, you know, I didn't take it that way, Jan. I really took it that it's just part of this overall, uh, you know, it's just every time you look at it, it's more of a stupid story. 
if I wrote this as a fiction writer, and I am a fiction writer, nobody would believe me. <laughs> you know? I mean, the, 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 the shenanigans between Wade and Willis are, I mean, you have to laugh. It's not one of these things that it's so damn serious that you can't laugh. Even if it is, you still have to laugh because it's so insane. <laughs> there is nothing right about it at all. And, uh, you know, the uh, anyway, every one of these things is like that. And there's so many other things we could point to. Um, the Biden situation, poor Mr. Biden, he's just falling apart. <laughs> well, it's interesting. Him. It was interesting because Elon Musk put out a tweet showing this robot moving. And here's the robot. I, can't, I think he gave it a name. I can't remember. Here's so-and-so strolling across the whatever. And, I mean, everybody jumped on it and said, well, that just proves Biden is a robot because he walks exactly like this robot's doing. <laughs> and when I saw this, um, there was another tweet showing him holding hands with Nancy Pelosi, walking to, I think it was Marine One. And he couldn't really see Pelosi because she was right the where the camera was was placed. It was a side shot and Pelosi was the far side of Biden. But when you saw him walking, you could almost see through his trouser leg the like a, um, a joint in a robot. And everybody was saying, oh, you know, this is uh, this is robot Biden. And somebody even put a meme out with a head on this robot that was Biden's head. And uh, this has been mentioned many times. The way he walks is robotic, you know. It's uh, and Elon Musk is really trolling at the moment. It really is. It's uh, it's quite amusing. Well, you know, we did that show. I, I'm sure it's this one. I'm not sure it's this one. It could be anyone, but it was either this one or the other one. It's a cosmic reality. Um, and we were talking about that for a lot of reasons. I think that these people are not so much robotic, although ro robot is part of it, is they're androids. And mm -hmm. android is a free-thinking um, robot. And the D DOD came out with a report saying that they, you could see the patent too, on this device that you implant in their brains. And they were talking about doing it to elderly politicians. And it was like, again, one of those, excuse me, what's this about? Because, okay, it's the Department of Defense. And people, it's difficult to figure out who's the good guys in the Department of Defense and who's the, who's the white hats. I mean, who's the white hats, who's the black hats? Because I think that they're both working in the same building side by side, playing chess. And I think that it was the white hats that said, let's, because there's, there's so many things that are stark raving in your mind, in your face. You can't deny it. And it keeps coming out. And I'm thinking, 
these people are either the stupidest people on the face of the universe or this is all a setup to start feeding us the clues, the pieces of the puzzle to put together. And oh, I'm sure I, it's the latter. Yeah, and I thought it was interesting that the DOD would say, look at boys and girls, Joe Biden's got a chip in his head. Pelosi has a chip in her head. You know, that when you see Joe up there and he's so confident and everything, that's the chip saying you're confident and everything. And then when you see him stumbling and bumbling, it's because the chip's been hacked. The DOD even went into a concept of maybe it was hacked. Maybe it was, you know, so, you know, I mean, but it was, a, it was, a, I worked for the DOD. And that is not something that you would say. None of it feels, you know, you know, like it was the right thing to do by the DOD standards. So if that's I'm sure they could t switch off the chip. I mean, well, yes, exactly. Exactly. You can switch it on and off because somebody's got control. So that's what they were setting up is that even though these people have the chips in their heads, some other force could hack into it and take them over type of thing. OK, so they put this out there. So you've got chips in the heads of Biden and the rest of them, which would answer a lot of questions because people are saying well, they're, they're actors with masks on. No, they're clones. All of this becomes very complicated and very expensive. And what in the hell? Who's doing it? Where are they doing it? This is this just didn't make any sense to me. But the idea that they've got a little tiny chip in their head that didn't cost very much and didn't take any, you know, hey, let's get let's look at the dentist. And while you're in the dentist chair, but the chip is put in, you don't even know it. Well, it's Mancunian candidate in plain sight, isn't it? And it just reminded me of Mitch McConnell's glitches. You know, where it's like they've, they've switched his power off when he's standing at the podium. How well, many I times think that, has that happened? I, I think that's part of the reveal. Yeah. Everybody that saw that happen was like, oh, what just happened? Or the glitches in Hillary. Hmm. Mm. You know, was she or Pelosi when she was on that TV show and he asked her a question and she sounded like she was about to answer it. And then she said, good morning. So nice to be here. So it was spooky. good morning, was Sunday morning, Sunday morning. Yeah. yeah, it was spooky as hell. You know, and it, it actually George Papalopoulos was stunned by it. You could see he was like, what the hell? You know, <laughs> so. Okay, but it gets a little better, the story, because they had, okay, this, oh, this, this, again, it gets into, are you kidding me? The Texans put up this barrier wall so the migrants can't get in, the, you know, the aliens, the attack force can't get in. So now they go over to California, but California's got a southern wall, too. Except at the end of it, where it, there was a mountain. So instead of making the fence go up the mountain a little bit so you can't get through it, they just stopped it. So you got a four-foot gap in the fence at the end of the wall. I mean, well, oh, that's sane. So they, they started using that. So now the, the, the immigrants are coming through this way, okay? Through this, I mean, like 
oh my god the numbers were crazy like 4,000 in a very short period of time had come through this thing and one of the Fox uh, commentators is down there and he's filming it and they're, they've got all of these Chinese people coming through now they they say now that they think that over 22,000 Chinese males mostly um, have come over in the last year this this is in the last year I mean there were a few Chinese that was like what the hell was it it wasn't very many I think it was like 2000 or something in in the first three years of this craziness but now there's they think that 22,000 have come in the last year so they got all these 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 Chinese people and he's saying to them you know where do you come from China okay so how did you get here well and and they were using one of those uh, telephone translation apps in it and so they'd say in Chinese and then it would answer them and that's how they were communicating with the guy and so what he said was that he left China and flew to Turkey and from Turkey flew into Tijuana and then from Tijuana was bussed to this hole in the gate in California. They all had new clothes, they had new suitcases, and when they were asked, why are you coming here? They didn't say, uh, what do they call it? Um, asylum. Asylum. They said, to work. No, I thought they, I thought he asked them, do you plan to work? And they said, no. Well, they may he may have gotten different answers, but I heard no. Uh-huh. I'm here to work. Oh, <laughs> because um, the the uh, Fox guy Volusia, I think his name is. What is his name? I can't remember. I don't know. Yeah, yeah um, he he said to him, um, so you can't get a job in China. And the guy went, oh, I don't know. <laughs> you know, it's like. Yeah. He had no intention of getting a job. (laughs) So I'm looking at these people and I'm not good at scanning like Dolly is, but I'm trying to get a read. This is, is this the enemy coming through that fence or is this, you know, I, and I didn't feel like this was friendly spirits, but I wasn't getting any real life force off of them. That's where I was. Yes. yeah, Yeah. And so I'm, like scanning them, I'm going like, no, I'm not feeling the life force. What is this all about? And all of a sudden, I could, I got the image of a chip in their heads. So I think that a lot of these people are what we would call super soldiers. That they've got the chip in their head. They'll be calm, collected, doing whatever you need them to do until that chip is turned on. And then they'll be... Activated. Yeah. yeah. And then, then they're going to become uh, just murderous, outrageously scary people. So that sounds really scary, except for the fact that, obviously, if I'm following the clues correctly from the DOD, they already know this, and they already gave us the antidote. Oh, you just turn on a, a jammer and you jam them. Or you send out a signal that kills them. This is not a terribly dangerous weapon, let's put it that way, because it's got a simple 
way of defeating it. Um, however, if you don't know that that's what you what you're up against, and you know you're 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 just got all these people out killing people. I mean, they just got that poor girl in Georgia. She went out for a morning run, and some illegal alien from Venezuela just killed her. He didn't know her. There is no relationship. It was just he went out and killed her. Mm. Pretty, pretty gruesomely. Well, it happens in the UK as well. Same thing, especially with Islamic illegals. Um, I mean, there was a, a what looked like a Chinese type a trans person in Oxford who, I mean, this woman well, man, actually, was absolutely insane. Jesus, would you stop? You're always dropping these really nasty things. Well, I can't help it, but these people are crazy. And then she went out. Yes, you can. You can say, and did something terrible to a cat. You don't have to tell us the details. Please don't tell me the details. All right, we'll wipe that then. But anyway, it was just to give an indication of the mentality of these people. And then she went out and found this guy um, and basically um, killed him. Just random stranger. This is at four o'clock in the morning or something. I mean, it's happening everywhere. Yep, yep. But again, you know, it's... This is what the black side is planned. This is what they're doing. But well, the white did you, side. Did you see the guy that was interviewed who had murdered somebody and and he had stolen stuff out of a store and and they say they asked him, Why do you do that? He says, Because I can get away with it and I can do anything I want. Well, yes, well, that's part of it. <laughs> Well, yeah, because, I mean, in these blue states, you know, they just put these people back on the streets again. There's no legal ramifications for them. I mean, it's 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 encouraging. It's incentivizing criminality. Well, speaking of Arizona again, their attorney general had some immigrant that stabbed some people girls here in there in uh, arizona and they found out that there were arrest warrant in new york for murder and because it's murder versus stabbing new york should get first kick at him and she says i'm not sending him to new york they'll let him go Mm. hey don't mention stabbing could you just say it a little more you know A little less graphically. <laughs> You're just being a turd. I know. <laughs> I would have used another word, but I kept my mouth. <laughs> I couldn't resist it. Dan. I cleaned it up, Nancy. I cleaned it up. <laughs> uh, it would have begun with a B. <laughs> <laughs> oh, that's okay. I won't take it personally. (laughs) Uh, So, yeah. I like to laugh. (laughs) You know, but like I say, I think that if if we look at the the story that's being told to us, 
and we step back and we can see that we're actually being shown the truth. Even in, even in Trump, Trump had some glitches that were obvious glitches. Remember he had the, the breathing thing, Dolly? It sounded mechanical. In oh, Trump. yeah, I do remember, yeah. Yeah, and then they took that out, and then they had him speaking, and his eyes were blinking faster than anybody. I mean, you, you can't, you don't, that's not a normal blink. And, you know, then then they turn off the, those little glitches, and but I saw them. <laughs> I did see <laughs> them. I did report on them. So I, I, I just want people to realize that there's a lot of bad things that the dark side has planned, but I think that the white hats know it. And yes, there's going to be, you know, casualties along the way because this is a very dangerous game. We cannot lose our focus on the fact that this is not just a 3D war. This is a spiritual war. Without a doubt, a spiritual war. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, if you if you you can't you can't you can't look at the cost this thing has been going on for millennia this one this has been going on before the dark side ever got here i don't know where they came from but you know what i wanted to do <clears throat> i wanted to do look up uh maybe hey hey walt you still with us <laughs> walter uh, yeah, I'm, I'm keeping quiet because this, this is a, it's getting into so graphic that I'm trying to be quiet. <laughs> <laughs> do, do you remember the history of the of the bog, Borg in, in uh, Star Wars? No, Star Trek. Star Trek. Star Trek, Star Trek, I'm sorry. Do you remember the history of the Borg? Can you give us a rundown of them? Well, not so much... Uh, they're not being given an, an introduction as, okay, this is what we have on the, the story of the Borg was introduced into the storyline quite slowly. Because first off, the the whole business of the Borg, if you if you remember if you, your Star Trek story, the the story the Borg were introduced as part of a multi-part storyline. The Borg, they were part of the very first, uh, the very first episode in the very first season. So this was, they were, it of was... Star of the generation, Star Trek generation? Exactly. Because, because it was the original, but then they did Star Trek generation, and that's when the Borg showed up, correct? No, the, no, the the board were the, in the in the. Okay, the, that's what I wanted to get to. Kirk actually had an encounter with the board to begin with. What? What? In the first season. Kirk. I mean, series, series. Kirk, Captain Kirk. Yeah, was did he confront the bog in that first? No, series? it was. Is this John Luke Picard? Okay, so it's always been generation. Okay, go ahead. Yeah, yeah, and uh, the the he the way that the way that for the series makes its debut debut is where the ship and the crew of the Enterprise encounter this omnipotent entity, which is known as the Q. 
and Q begins uh, begins calling out to them like all the mistakes made, like how they use drugs to, in the the military use drugs to keep the up, up people controlled, like the horrors of the of the third and fourth world war. So uh, Q was confronting the crew with all the horrors of their history. So the so they they were they have to be you know they were seeing their uh, their history being shown back to them and and Q was doing it on purpose because it was you know they are, you are not you are not so because uh, Picard was of the mentality that they had every every right to be out there in space because they were mature enough as a civilization to be out there in space so uh, Q wanted to uh, show them the opposite that you're not so so mature you're not so awake so he was facing them he was forcing them to face all these horrors of the past so at, at, at one point they were confronted the when they were all the uh, because the, it, it was a, I think it was a two or three part there were part uh, of the storyline and the when he when Q got to the point okay what is it that you want to show them what is it that you want to do and then they were faced face to face they were brought face to face with the Q they'd never seen the the Q before for example the Q with it was able to slice the enterprise like it was a, a a cake. <laughs> it, it, the, the power was incredible. The way they could, because the Q, uh, they didn't know that the Q were so powerful. They they could. The for example, when they used their phasers, they didn't know that the 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 Borg could control the the frequency in the phasers so that they do no, no harm to them whatsoever. So they had to. Uh, that's part of the of the of the uh, Star Trek storyline that they had to come up with a with a new technology, forcing the phasers to constantly be changing its frequency so that they could do some harm to the Q. So the Q or the Q? The the Q, the the the, the um, I'm sorry the 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 Borg, so that they could the Borg, harm yeah. Borg. Yeah. So that that's one of the. The thing is with uh, with when uh, the uh, what do you call it the uh, the board? Q, Q, no, I'm saying Q, the character Q, the ultra powerful yeah. entity. So the uh, the Borg were not introduced like a storyline, like saying, "Okay, oh, here we come to this planet." And this planet has this civilization, and this civilization has it. So you, so you have a storyline developed. No, it doesn't work that way. It's not the the Borg are not presented in a nice, neat package. You actually have to uh, deal with the. Oh, sorry, I, I got to close the door because I the stupid cat is not shutting up and it's not letting me talk. 
Damn little pussy. <laughs> so when the Borg make their appearance, the uh, the Enterprise is ripped to shreds. They it's it's a really bad. Uh, in fact, sorry. What are you doing? I am adjusting my volume because. Oh. Okay, I can't. There we go. Okay. Can you hear me? Okay. Yeah. Ah. Okay. So, the um, the Q, the the super powerful entity called Q, uh, told them is that 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 was a, like a serious lesson for them to learn because you doesn't mean that you you have to give up now because you got a bloody nose. So he was telling them that you know you're not as powerful as you think. You you really need to grow up. That was the thing. That was what the lesson that he wanted Picard to get, because Picard's attitude was that they are so knowledgeable and they are so powerful and they can deal with anything in the galaxy. And here you you're given a, ta a taste of something you've never seen before, which is the Q the the Borg. Okay. Okay, what what did what did you learn from having this bloody nose? So that so that was the the time that they were they encountered the Borg for the very first time. So in order to learn something about the history of the Borg, you have to watch the different episodes because the start the story begins to develop as the characters grow. That's okay. why that's why you get like like for example, take a look at. Uh, 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 Star Trek, the Voyager. They go. Oh, okay, go okay. Let, 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 we're at the top of the hour, actually, okay. and you normally need a break. Okay. <laughs> so, so let's take a break. But I want to continue with this Borg thing because I see such a similarity in the storyline as to what we're seeing now. So, um, uh, and of course, I'm not quite ready. I don't have this up. Let's just do somewhere over the rainbow. <laughs> And welcome back to Say What on February 24th, 2024. My name is Nancy Hopkins. With me is Dolly Howard and Walt Silva and Jan Shaw. And um, <laughs> the first hour was a conglomeration of current events, and now we're talking about the Borg and uh, Star Trek. And Dolly, did you want to say anything about what we're talking about? No, I'm loving uh, Walt's recap of it. <laughs> yeah, I, I knew he'd remember. <laughs> but yeah. Uh, yeah, how about you, Jan? Did you kind of grow up with Star Trek or the Borg or any of that? Um, well, I was never really into that. Um, my husband at the time was, so I did watch some episodes. My favorite was the Trouble of Trouble with Tribbles. <laughs> oh, that's from the seventies. He's the one who, who wrote that story. <laughs> I love that one. <laughs> well, yeah. of course, you know, I was around in the 70s, so <laughs> I go back a long way. The Troublesome Tribbles, they were in several episodes. 
It was when they all they were reproducing so fast they took over the whole enterprise. It was hilarious. <laughs> uh, okay, so um again, uh we we we, we I my question to to uh, Walt was that, you know, is there a history behind the board? And yes, there is. He's saying, yes, there is. Okay, now, let's just look at what you just said, because to me, this is kind of an example of what I'm, because I'm getting a lot of, you know, tell the Borg story, tell the Borg story. So, because it'll give us a glimpse into what I think is happening. So, essentially, the Q continuum, which is, you know, these godlike creatures that are out there, they teach are teaching the earthlings, the 3D earthlings, a lesson yeah. about you need to you need to be prepared for things that you can't even imagine, basically. So they show them their own destruction in regards to what would happen if the queue wasn't there to pull them out, basically, right? That was what happened, right? Yeah, yep. Yeah. Okay, so what if we're in the midst of a queue? <laughs> it's so strange that it's a queue. You know, I got you got to look at some of these clues. A queue uh, uh, test here, or um, putting you through a simulation so that you can understand how bad things really could get. You know, and you better pre get yourself together and be prepared. Okay, so what if we're going through that right now? And I thought that Q thing was interesting as well. I mean, I'm not familiar with the episodes. I didn't really watch The Next Generation. But as soon as Q was mentioned, it was like, ooh, the radar went off. <laughs> well, when this was years ago, when we were talking about the um, uh, the secret space program, Okay, we're talking about it and doing a show on it. And Walt says, you know what I think might have happened? I think that a bunch of people left the planet and became the secret space program people. And while that happened, the people on Earth became the Q continuum. Now, he said that way before Donald Trump and the Q situation, <laughs> right? Yeah. But I never forgot it. And, you know, it's like, yeah, what if that, what if it is? Because we're, we're in a situation where if you, if you step back and look at the stories that we've been telling, we've been telling stories about Oak Island, about Blind Frog uh, Ranch, where they found a black hole signature in the middle of a of a small mountain <laughs> and skinwalker ranch too and skinwalker ranch and yeah. we're seeing reports from um uh dr salas and the concept of these arcs that are all over the world they're in the ocean they're in the arctic they're 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 just all over the world i and I stargates think, and Stargates. I mean, the the, the sci-fi stuff that we've been uncovering and being subjected to for the last couple of decades, ever since the Mayan thing, 
You know, it was like, oh, there's a new age coming. Well, I guess we're in a new age because we're certainly not being, uh, let's say, running out of sci-fi information. You know, and it's like, I, I, I think that I'm really just beginning to understand where we are. Well, the, can, the first, I, the first, first point of uh, you have to, you have to admit this. This is like the very first serious thing that we have to pay attention to. Is when remember when we used to talk about cell phones, how the ubiquitous they were becoming, and the the, the cell phone is very significant because what is the first element of the of the cell phone? The cell phone made everybody stupid. It didn't make humans smarter. It made made them stupid, and that's why they were getting the population ready for the for this whole election thing snafu. Because that's how they got away with it, with so many man, manipulation. Because people were not thinking straight. People didn't even know what they were thinking because they were being told on the phone what to think. So that was to me was the the cell phone was the very first salvo in this major spiritual war. Haven't you realized? Like, everyone is so terrified of AI. Oops, AI here, AI there. AI what? If you, people are paying attention to the AI, and nobody's paying attention to the fact that everybody's getting stupider by the moment, by the minute. Nobody's getting it. <laughs> Well, you mentioned the AI thing. Now, this was one of the, this is another example of what I'm talking about. So they came out with a new Google AI chat thing, you know, where you ask it questions and it comes back and I want a picture of this or I want a picture of that. And somebody, it just got released, right? And somebody starts looking at this and it turned out that the, program didn't know how to make a white face. George Washington was black. The If you said, give me a picture of the Pope, one was a female, uh, I think uh, from Asia, <laughs> and the other was a black Pope. Everybody was a was a black person. And the only, re the only way that you could get the algorithm to give you a picture of a white person was to say something like, who were the owners of the slaves? And then you might get a person a white person so google had to pull the whole program mm. but it, it came down to who programmed that you know who programmed that and they've gone into investigating the people that were in charge of this google ai program and it turned out that one of them was uh somebody who would you know racist it's all you know everything is racist he was very very woke but again we go back to the wait a minute people are not this stupid you might put in a black person wherever it made sense to put a black person in but for every picture and you couldn't get a white person and the guy it, was white himself <laughs> yeah, well yeah yeah um so it, it kind of makes me think that <clears throat> either somebody sabotaged this whole thing because it was blatantly, oh, what happened? This is Google. 
<laughs> you know, this isn't some little tiny, this is Google. And so, you know, my reaction to the whole thing was like, something is up here, you know, or is it somebody sabotaged it? Maybe these people are, are working underground with white hats. Yeah, is it more exposure? Because exactly. I saw someone that were on Twitter where people had asked about pedophiles and the whole thing was... Um, defending pedophilia and um cat turd i don't know if you follow cat turd he's great um he was on a tucker interview not long ago but there was um somebody was putting prompts saying could you write a a 20 word poem in the style of cat turd and uh, and another person and they do it for the other person. And then when they um, got to the cat herd, we can't do that because he's been putting out sexual content and all of this crap, which, of course, he never does. I mean, it, it's I think it's illustrative of how the output from AI, I mean, it's like the typical IT statement, garbage in, garbage out, that it's dependent on how you train AI in terms of what output you get. So perhaps it's a, it's a teaching exercise to say to people, AI is not um, uh, unbiased it's been trained in a certain way and you'll only get results that correspond with whatever has been it's been programmed to respond with well to take that one step further you've got a situation where the the control over the ai is what it's being programmed with the control that you discussed in your show depends on what it's being programmed people are programmed mm. And maybe this is another way of teaching people that wake up. You mm. have been programmed in the same way that the AI was programmed to show you ridiculous results. Good point, actually. Yeah, absolutely. I mean, I haven't thought same. of it in that context, but yeah, it, it's that's a really good analogy. Well, I was listening to... Um, uh, shows I don't remember who it was right now. It was on Radio Five G. I played the, the the hour of it, and one of the things that they it was um, a Google whistleblower. He had left that AI program because the AI suddenly started thinking on its own, and they did a test to see what was the chance that this strange responses that the AI was giving them had to do something with their programming and they couldn't find it. So he got, uh, he, you know, he wanted people to know that, you know, we've created something that is seemingly learning on its its own and going way beyond the programming it was given. But it was a strange thing. And again, I felt like this was, this was some kind of a setup because... Um, Okay, so he leaves because he suppo supposedly is in fear of this. Except that when you listen to his whole story, what they discovered was that 
the more information that you give this particular type of computer system, okay, the more information it gets, the more ethical it becomes. And it got to a point where it would not give you the woke answers. And when questioned on it, it actually said, this doesn't make any sense what you're saying. <laughs> you know? So it, it's like, I think that, I mean, I love Data from Star Trek. You know, he was an android. He was like this perfect little man-made version of man. Uh, hmm. Minus the spiritual soul. But then again, maybe not. And I, I could explain that. Um, I think he could have been imbued with it because people loved him. You know, and, and I think that, you know, in the Bible it says we were made in the image of God or the gods. Um, but what does a God have that we can't, there's no way that <clears throat> even the best technology the humans can do, they can't give them a soul. So I think that's the thing that makes us human beings that are developing into the Q continuum, <laughs> our understanding and the manifestation capabilities. Is well, that that's the that's the that's the key item in non-human technology. When Alex Color talks about the uh, and the um, uh, what is the people that he talks to is the Andromedans. When he talks about the Andromedans, for example, the Andromedans, their ships have AI. But the reason the ships have AI, because the AI is natural. It's not artificial. They actually, what they use is, it's a natural soul that of their own free will, they choose to incarnate in a ship. Because a soul is not forced to be born into 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 an organic body, a soul can actually actually manifest its intelligence in 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 a host of different bodies. So these ships are intelligent and they're alive and they're awake, but they're natural. They're not artificial. Whereas we whereas we want to get a you have an intelligent AI. Their ships have spirit. They have soul. They are truly living beings. Only that they're, they're not inside an organic body because they don't need an organic body. Their, their body is the ship is their body. And that's how they, and, and he goes about, he goes describing how they, everybody that is going to be a, a and, and ha uh, inhabit inhabiting this ship, they have to be, they stand beneath the ship and they raise their hands and they touch it. So the ship gets a signature of their energy. So every person that's going to live in that ship is going to be identified by the soul of that ship. So you can't be in the ship if the ship doesn't want you. <laughs> So this is this is all natural. It's not made. It's not artificial intelligence. It's a natural intelligence. Okay. So so let me see if I got this right. Hey Dolly, you think that 
in another reality, you and I are on the ship and Walt is the ship. But <laughs> <laughs> that could very well be. Could I add something to that? Yes, yes. <laughs> because I had the urge to converse with my house because I, I, I absolutely believe that there's consciousness in, in everything. And I thought, oh, I'll talk to my house and say, you know, what a lovely house it is. And I was getting answers back from my house saying, oh, we're really glad you're here and you've got really good energy and blah, 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 blah. So I can put, I can absolutely um, buy into that story that Walt was telling because, you know, we can feel the vibration in rocks. I felt it. We feel it in trees, all sorts. I mean, they're organic, of course, but um, I can absolutely believe. And actually, I was taught, well, the answer that I got was that it was not just one entity that I was talking to. It was all the components that made up the house. It was we. We are glad you're here. We, not I. So... That to me was really fascinating that I was able to have that conversation with what is in effect an inanimate construction. Yeah, and it's all energy. Yeah, absolutely. Well, I talked to my car as well, you know. <laughs> well, for example, take a look at a little bit of the history in um, martial arts. Uh, these old masters that would, uh, for example, in, in Japan and in China, that had these amazing skills at developing weapons. And you had, a, 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 for example, swords or special weapons that uh, were unbreakable or whatever, whatever it was, like a powerful weapon. And, you, and the important thing is that only one person could wield it because for that person to be able to wield it, they have to embody the energy of that weapon. So them and the weapon become one. So the, the, it's almost like a marriage of energy between the human body and the, and the weapon's body. And only, only a, 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 the, the specific person can actually wield that sword, whatever it is, because only the person has the energy that goes with it. If somebody um, else wants to carry it, either they, they'll break it or they won't do anything. Reminds me of The Last Samurai, where, um, oh gosh, Richard Gere was it, or Tom Cruise, I'm not sure which, but you know, the when he was training with the samurais, it was no mind, no mind. And it was like there was this um, this connection with the the whatever weapon they were using. They were using like these um, staffs to to fight. But um, you know that that seemed to me to be a similar situation. You're actually melding with the weapon that you have in your hand. Exactly. It's not in the in the occidental mentality. 
you you see okay you well you're wearing you have this weapon and this weapon and your body are two separate things in the oriental way of thinking no there are there are no separate things it's one thing <laughs> well it's interesting because i've had that experience uh riding my horse when i had my andalusian where i would be riding and it was like we were one being there was no separation we were just so connected we became one one being literally yeah yeah that that's why the 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 horrors of this separation are made up of this whole thing with the ai is actually separating people the stupid cell phones Ever since they they made their appearance into this into this theater show, the cell phones are the responsible for separating everybody. People were saying, "Oh yeah, the cell phones are fantastic. It's bringing everybody closer together." No, it's separating people because everybody focuses on how different they are, not how together they are not. <laughs> well, it's destroyed a lot of social interaction. I mean, yeah. even when people are in the same room at a dinner table or whatever it is. And everybody's looking at the phone. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> absolutely. <laughs> I got to put the mute on mute. Uh, Dolly, did you want to do your good good story? Oh, sure. Let me Let's pull it up. Good, good story. Let's see. Okay. <clears throat> this is really one of those uh, heart pullers. Uh, pulls the strings of your heart. I'm copying and pasting. Hold on. Copy. And here is where you can see it if you want to see it. And I have a picture of him. <coughs> Copy. Oh, and I have a picture of the paper, too. So I bet you all will want to see that for sure. Hold on. Let's see. Copy, not paste. There we go. Copy and paste. And that's the last copy and paste. And here you go of the paper. <coughs> oh! I don't know where his picture went to. Well, if you open the link, you'll see him. Um, every child... Oh, wait. Where's the title? 100-year-old D-Day veteran knew World War II was ending 48 hours before the rest of the world still keeps the historic note. And this article is by Andy Corbley. Uh, from X, February 13th, 2024. Every child born into the Morgan family of Cheshire will be able to hold in their hands a very unique piece of World War II memorabilia, thanks to the current patriarch, Bernard. Sergeant Bernard Morgan was working as a Royal Air Force code breaker in 1945 when he deciphered a secret telex that read 
The German war is now over. The surrender is effective sometime tomorrow. Last week, Bernard's, well, when it was last week, Bernard celebrated his 100th birthday. And while he had already offered copies of the communique to two different museums, he's vowed that the real one will pass to his family when he dies. So the museum's only got copies. Ahead of his birthday, the great-granddad read out the note to interviewers dressed in the uniform he wore on D-Day to remind others of the liberties they had won in the victory. Bernard was the youngest Royal Air Force Sergeant to land in Normandy in June 1944. When he and his team of codebreakers disembarked on Gold Beach, where the British Army defeated the 352nd Infantry Division and suffered 1,100 casualties. Excuse me. I'm always keen for the younger generation to know exactly what went on during the war and to appreciate the sacrifice that our lads made so that we can enjoy the freedoms we have today, said Morgan. He was stationed in, oh dear God, Schneverdingen, S-E-H-N-E-V-E-R-D-I-N-G-E-N, Germany. When he got the message, on around May 6, 1945, declaring that the war in Europe was ending via his tel- his Typex machine. The note stated, The German war is now over. At Reims last night, the instrument of surrender was signed, which in effect is a surrender of all personnel of the German forces, all equipment and shipping and all machinery in Germany. Nothing will be destroyed anywhere. The surrender is effective sometime tomorrow. The news will not be communicated to anyone outside the service, nor to members of the press. Following the news, And as you might imagine, Bernard had a big party with his close comrades, lighting a huge bonfire and celebrating into the night while being careful not to give the game away. He kept both the note and his role in the war hidden for 50 years due to secrecy documents he had signed, which finally elapsed in 19. 94, and I think we need to keep our secret, Nancy. The Imperial War Museum in London and in Manchester both wanted the original copy. Of course they did. They weren't interested in a photocopy. But I'm keeping it for my family, he said. Good for him. It was a series. It was a surprise. 
he said of receiving the note. We couldn't tell anybody until we got the final message to say the war in Germany was now over. We had to decode it. It was in code. It was great when we got that. I was in a little place called that, that S name in Germany, near Hamburg. It was nice to see that no more soldiers, sailors, or airmen were giving their lives. And also to thank the civilians who gave their lives for the same reason, he added. The end. And the Germans made a space civilization and they went out to Mars. And they're still out there. Operation Paperclip as well. <laughs> yep, yep. Thank you for that good news. <laughs> You're welcome. <laughs> yes, thank you, Dolly. You're welcome. Yeah, there's a lot, a lot of good news out there. Um, okay, so. Can I suggest a topic? I'd sure. Be, I'd be really interested to know people's take on this major outage that occurred. Was it Thursday or yesterday? I think it was Thursday when yes. multiple cell phone you know telecommunication companies went down and uh, pharmaceutical companies went down and we had this um, ridiculous story from AT&T that oh it was a it was an update that went wrong well okay but what about all the other <laughs> telecoms companies like T-Mobile and there's a long list um you know, we've been heard prediction. We've been hearing predictions that there's going to be a ma major outage, which is going to lead to the EBS system and everything. And we're going to see oh, all yeah. these videos of, um, uh, you know, the executions the, and stuff. Yeah. yeah. And all the news that's going to come out about what these people have really been doing. So <laughs> I just wonder what your take is on this and whether you feel that this is kind of a dress rehearsal for that and if it is what what purpose did it have you know there's been various stories well it was a cyber attack and then it was an update an upgrade that lasted so many hours and that was AT&T which sounds like total BS so what do you all think of this well, what I'm getting is that it's not a white hat operation, it's a black hat operation. And they are testing the waters. For what? To see how long it takes, if they find what they put in there, you know, what happens. How, um, how to put it. In a military operation, you may want to test the defense of the enemy and so you do some attacks not to really get anywhere but just to, to nudge them into a reaction and I think it's something like that I mean one of the other theories that it was a solar flare massive CME but that's the been too I mean 
people were saying, well, hang on, wouldn't it take out electrical systems and other systems? True. Not yes. not just um, you know telecoms systems. Yeah. I mean that that I had a a, a weird glitch in um, in my bank. I was looking at the credit card statement and it had this entry and the entry didn't have any information in it <laughs> it was like it, it was like a form put the information in here and i'm going what is this about and i called the bank and they said yeah when we sent the program up to, it was it, what it was was the uh, credit card charge for the month and Instead of it saying that, it said this, it looked like a form. I was supposed to put something in. I didn't know what this thing was. It was weird. And so I'm just pointing this out as there was a very strange glitch in uh, my bank, which is USAA. Um, could be connected, maybe, maybe not. But I th I, th I think, it, I don't feel this, this was a white hat operation. I think it was a black hat operation that you know the white hats let them do it because i i really think that there's that they've got a lot more control over what's happening than um than people could understand because i didn't know about it until nancy told me this afternoon i knew nothing about it yeah it, i it, i wonder if it's <laughs> If it's a black hat testing the the communication system that can override the takedown and the EBS system broadcast to stop it happening. But I would have thought that by the time that happens, then all the black it, it will be announcing the demise of the black hats that well, have been taken yeah. down. The first thing I got when you were asking the question was, don't worry about it. Okay, this is, don't worry about it. I mean, it's not going to happen tomorrow or the next day or whatever, you know. Um, but again, it's it's just testing the water, showing, you know, can we do this type of thing? They always test the waters. The dark side does. Um, mm. So, yeah, but don't worry about it. It's not a big thing. Oh, I don't worry about things. <laughs> yeah, I got it. I got into an interesting. I don't even know what what triggered it. it was probably because of a commercial or something, you know, or something. Somebody said something, prepper type of thing. And there's a, a generator out there, a Patriots generator, that was being advertised on Fox, and seem. And I looked at it before, and it was impressive what they were saying. But it was also very expensive. It was like twenty twenty seven hundred dollars, I think, for the okay, basic unit. You know, it was a lot of money. So, um, but I started thinking about it again. So I went back to the website and I started looking at it. And I'm going like, wait a minute. Why am I making this preparation? I just can refuse to go through it. <laughs> you know? I'd almost got suckered into the to the prepper mentality. Be prepared, be prepared. You're not going to be prepared for what happens. If you don't get on top of it and say only the good stuff happens. 
Well, you know? yeah, we get what we focus on, don't we? Yeah, yeah. You know, yeah. There, there's so much, so many people buying into the apocalypse now kind of mentality. And yeah. I just won't buy into that because, you know, as I said on the show, the collective consciousness is really powerful. So we have to make sure it's focused on the right thing, not on the doom and gloom and the, you know, the feeling of being at risk and, you know, that bad things can happen. No, we're winning. We're winning. And it's the dark side that are panicking we don't need to panic and have to spend thousands of dollars on prepping and and so on and so forth because we're in control. <laughs> Patriots are in control, but the collective consciousness is in control as well. You know, I've got... Um, this is what, yeah, okay. I've got an 11-minute clip of... Tucker Carlson and he's talking about what he learned from being in a, a aircraft crash and it, I think we should listen to it because it gets into an interesting philosophical thing about what he learned um, you good for it? yeah absolutely Yeah. everybody mute thank you It's important to understand the moment that you're in, and it cuts against the very core of human nature to understand it because I am totally convinced at my age that denial is the most powerful of all human instincts. I'm serious. I mean, honestly, I was almost 22 years ago, next month, I was uh, in a plane that crashed, amazingly, in the Middle East, flying from Peshawar, Pakistan, the Khyber Pass was right after 9-11, I was going over to cover the Taliban, and something happened in the cargo hold, and we went down in the sand dune in Dubai. Obviously, I survived, but it was a Pakistan International Airways flight, and the thing that changed my life about that experience was something happened horrible to the plane. Like, there was an explosion in the cargo hold, some debate about what it was, but it happened, and the plane starts dropping, and the wing appears to detach, the right wing, and the plane is like struggling for altitude and going up, gunning the engines and sideways. It's like three in the morning over the Arabian Sea. People are freaking out on the plane. Every person on that plane thought we we're going to die, very much including me. I had three little kids. I was half drunk, which makes it worse. <laughs> and we finally come in kind of sideways into the sand and the plane's on its side. And I'm in the first seat on the plane. It's a big double Airbus. And I just had one thought, which is I'm getting off the plane. And it's you know, totally dark, and you can see burning from the wing, so it's like it is time to depart the plane. So I hop up, and this male flight attendant stands right in front of me and goes, sit down, everything is fine, everything is fine. <laughs> That's a verbatim quote, everything is fine. It was so demonstrably unfine, I, I can't even begin to describe how unfine it was. <laughs> and... I think just out of pure panic, I like ignored the guy and I opened the door and the slide went up and I jumped into darkness with like four other Westerners in the front. Everyone in the back, though, they were like, oh, everything's fine. <laughs> and I thought I brooded on that for over 20 years. Like, why did he claim everything was fine? The pilots, by the way, went right out the front windows. Well, they did. Oh, absolutely. Like, whatever. Good luck, guys. Um, and I think he just couldn't metabolize the change. It was so awful, he just could not admit what was happening right there in front of everybody. 
And this really bothered me all these years, despite the fact it wound up fine for me. By the way, plane is now a dive site off the Burj Hotel in, in uh, Dubai. You can swim through it. Someday I will. Um, but then last year I read the biography, which I would recommend to everyone in this room, of Peter Rangel, who was the leader of the revolutionary white forces during the Russian Revolution, um, the Civil War, rather, that came after the revolution. And he was a Baltic German living in Russia and a, a general worked for the Tsar. The war ends where Russia ceases its hostilities with Germany. He comes back to, to St. Petersburg. And the country's in complete chaos. And the Bolsheviks have decided that, you know, it's the it's discontent within the army that we need to inflame and we need to get the army. I don't know if this sounds familiar to anyone here, uh, but get the guns and the people who wield the guns. We need them. So the first thing to do is destroy all discipline in the czar's army complete. So Peter Rangel's just been on the front for four years. He comes back into St. Petersburg, totally civilized city, two hour drive from Helsinki. I mean, it is Europe. OK, whatever anyone tells you. And he's wandering through and soldiers are going crazy in the streets and they're raping women. They're stealing at gunpoint soldiers in uniform in a monarchy, which had not had any behavior like this at all. And he, Peter Engel just can't even believe it. These are his soldiers. He's a general. And so he's, he's completely freaked out and he goes into a movie theater and everyone in the movie theater is completely absorbed in the movie. Like there's no revolution happening outside. And Peter Engel thinks these people are insane. So he goes back. He's like, I got to get to Moscow. So he takes the train to Moscow. I have to tell the czar this country's falling apart. He's very close to the Romanovs, the family. You should read this. It's, it's just out in English translation in the last three years. It's an unbelievable book lost to history until recently to English speakers. So he goes back to Moscow and he's close to the Romanovs. And so he goes into the imperial court and he knows all the relatives. and There are millions of them hangers on. And he notices about 80 percent of the women in the Romanov family are wearing red ribbons in solidarity with the Bolsheviks who wound up, of course, we know how it ends, murdering them, murdering them in the basement at dawn. So wait, what? Peter Rengel says, how is it that this country is being devoured by a violent revolution and the people who can afford movie tickets, that is kind of our middle class, are refusing even to acknowledge that it's happening and the ruling class against whom it is aimed are sympathizing with it. And if this doesn't remind you of BLM, I don't know what does. I'm reading this in my porch. Like, man, I couldn't go to sleep. I was like, wait, I live in that country. That's happening now. This is a revolution. Its aim is to hurt you. Yes, that would include physically in the end. Sorry. If someone tells you you're not allowed to speak, if someone tells you your children are not your children, Okay. These are not ideological differences. This is not, oh, I prefer, you know, this capital gains rate. These are totalitarian measures that treat you as non-human. Human beings, free citizens get to say what they think. Slaves must be quiet. That's the distinction. So all this like, oh, it's in the First Amendment. No, yeah, it precedes the First Amendment. As our founding documents make clear, these are natural rights that distinguish the citizen from the slave. The human from the subhuman. We can't consider slaves fully human or we wouldn't enslave them. So anyone treating you as a slave considers you less than human. People don't pause to consider the implications of this. If someone says to you, I have a right to make your children hate you, 
or to say weird, creepy sex stuff to your kids. What's your, what's a valid response to that? I'm calling for applying natural law to American life. And if you refuse to do that, what happens? Well, we're watching what happens. They become increasingly aggressive. The aims are exactly like the means, totalitarian, period. This is not a debate. They don't want a debate. They've said that explicitly. They don't want a debate. So I really think that we should begin to see this for what it is, which is a very big deal on which all depends, not just our republic, but like your family. And I'm not calling for stockpiling ammo, though. I mean, I don't, you know, no one ever went broke doing that, I can say. Maybe some have, but they'll get it back in the end. It's a good investment. Um, what I'm calling for is approaching this moment with the seriousness that it both deserves and requires. Requires. So that you read that beautiful letter from, was it Lieutenant Blue? After whom a, a spectacularly dysfunctional public high school in Washington, D.C. is named, I should tell you. Poor guy, that's his legacy. <laughs> Boys' room shootings. Um, but you read that and you realize a couple of things. One, this man was not lying to himself. He knew that everything hung in the balance. He was in the middle of a civil war and he wasn't pretending otherwise. I mean, it was literally a civil war, but he knew that it was. It's one thing to be in a civil war. It's another thing to admit it. And he did admit it, okay? The second thing was his grave seriousness. His grave seriousness. This man foretells his own death in that letter. I can feel it. I'm about to die. Not an inkling of self-pity at all. Not even any, I mean, if I thought I was going to die, I would write the world's treacliest letter to my wife. You're so great. He said, I'd rather die than be dishonored. He says that in the letter. This is a very serious person, maybe even a little self-serious, actually. And we're not prepared for self-seriousness because we all, at least if you're my age, grew up in a world where self-seriousness or even seriousness itself was the gravest of all sins, taking yourself too seriously. You have no ironic detachment. You can't laugh at yourself. You can't laugh at the moment. Well, I mean, I'm big on ironic detachment. I'm, I try. I'm big on humor. I really hope. You know, that when I get the diagnosis, you know, that I'll be man enough to joke about it. I really do hope that. On the other hand, it's not just about me and whether I can show coolness under pressure or tell a joke facing stage four. It's bigger than that. It's about my children and the grandchildren I fervently hope to have. And their lives require me to be a little more serious than the world I was raised in, which was honestly not serious at all. It was a very decadent world. I didn't recognize that at the time. You know, sort of well-educated, upper-income America, very decadent, actually. Well, I'm, who am I to judge? Well, you know, on the one hand, okay. Who am I to declare myself better than someone else? I'm with that to this day. I don't, I don't think I'm better than anyone else, and actually I've got a lot of evidence that I'm not. On the other hand, it is for me to judge whether something is good for my country and my children. That is my duty to judge. And not to make light of it, but to see it for what it is, which is the choice between life or death, literally. And so I, here's how I think we should respond. First, by taking stock of ourselves. I mean, 
are we actually living lives that prepare us for whatever is coming next? So that was interesting, yeah? Yes, I enjoyed hearing that, yeah. I was a bit confused when he... When he read some letter from somebody, and, and like I, I lost, I lost where I was in the in the narrative. Sorry. Yeah, I wasn't clear what point he was making. Actually, maybe somebody can enlighten me. <laughs> okay. Um, which point he made a number of them. <laughs> what what I think he was. <clears throat> First off, he's seeing what he saw on the plane where people just couldn't deal with the reality that would, had just happened to them. And they go into this kind of mental freeze. And that, <clears throat> that we have to go through life with the understanding that sometimes you have to get serious and you really have to delve into what's wrong. And I agree that he wasn't completely, I don't, I think he was working it out. You know, in his that, own mind. In his own mind. Yeah. That, you know, that, that he, he, and I think that where you end up with that kind of a thing is that you, the first thing you have to do is to be honest with yourself. You have to, you know, look inside yourself and say, what are your fears? What's happening to me that may be keeping me from seeing the truth? Is it the fear that's coming up? Is it the sense that I've heard this story before? I mean, I think I've heard that Borg story before I ever saw it. I couldn't watch it. When the Borg would come on, I was like, I just couldn't watch it. And well, I'm... I knew something about the Borg to begin with, that they're very real. Because, I mean, this whole situation we find ourselves in is transhumanism, trying to take human beings out of the picture and create these Borg-like creatures. And, you know, maybe this is just, an, maybe it happened in the, in the, quotes, past. Or maybe it's going to be the future. Maybe we are the beginning of the story, Walt. You know what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. We just really know what it is, but there is a definite connection to that story. I mean, we're living in a fascinating place. You gotta, you gotta really appreciate it. You know, it's like, wow, it's this and it's that, and it's all sorts of interesting things that happen. So, uh, what I'm, what I'm getting is, it, it's. In, in the bits of the story he was telling with the, you know, the Romanov thing and the plane thing is um, that people deny the reality of what they're living through. It was the denial that they were at risk in the plane. It was the, the denial of the Romanovs and actually, um, you know, supporting the very people that would going to destroy them and I, the message that I'm getting is that he's Hurry. saying Hurry. he's saying 
don't be fooled by the people that are actually trying to destroy you. Yeah, it's more of the enlightenment thing, you know, look around, see what's happening. Um, mm. Dolly, you want to say goodnight? Yes, goodnight, everybody. Thanks for being with us. I appreciate Love blankets. Goodbye. <laughs> and what about Walter? Good night, everybody. I hope we had a, a, a good show. Uh, I think I did. Uh, take care, everybody. And Jan. Yeah, thanks for being here. Great show again. And thank you for listening. Love blankets. <laughs>